I've got some time for the intro and outro. And do you have any questions? Uh, I don't think so. I have learned to not go mm-hmm, mm-hmm a lot. So I'm listening <laughs> and I will probably still say mm-hmm sometimes, but I've learned on podcasts that it can be distracting. Yeah. Uh, so I will try not to do that. But Okay. Well, I, I am if listening you do. even if I, it, it hurts me because I, I just, <laughs> I'm one of those that likes to look you in the eye yes. and say, I hear you and I'm, I'm in this conversation. So <laughs> no, I'm there too. I wish I could see, I've thought about and tried once doing like a zoom and mm-hmm. then downloading it and stuff, but the quality of the sound just isn't awesome. Yeah. And so, um, I wish that this had a feature to where I could actually like at least see you. Um, but no, it is good. So, um, and there may be some like kind of talking over each other and that's totally normal too. So, um, it's, it's fine. It always ends up working out. So good. Um, the only thing that I thought I would throw at you and I'm hopefully going to kind of preface this when I ask it, but I don't want to get into the whole complimentarian Mm -hmm. and the preaching and all Mm -hmm. of that. I more want to really kind of wrestle through because I know I felt this of just feeling kind of out of place as a woman with the gift of teaching. And so Mm -hmm. how to kind of maybe tackle some of those insecurities, but then also what that looked like moving forward and taking opportunities that the Lord was giving. So um, I hope to kind of preface that before as we ask it, but Mm -hmm. just so that you don't feel any pressure of like, we're not getting in to that debate today. <laughs> yeah. I was going to so. use an example of when I was at a WMU event speaking as a keynote and there was a room of 400 women basically the point saying making the point that I didn't think I had a problem with it. I didn't think I had any issues or or struggles with finding my place. Mm-hmm. But then I'm in this room of 400 women and there's like six men in the background and all I could be thinking about is am I doing something wrong? <laughs> mm, that's so good. I, yeah. I, is that okay? Perfect. Um, Perfect. Yes. And, and I love just it. Just how I had to wrestle with no, I, I'm not doing anything wrong and, yeah. and really talking to my husband about it and really searching for the scriptures. Where are those lines? And I had to personally figure that out and yes. not listen to the evil one who just wants to shut me up. So that's yes. kind of where I was going. That is perfect. Because okay. um, I really do want to hit on, like, I think it's hard for us, you know, mm-hmm. because we're trying to do it well. And so, um, so yes, I, I love that. And I love the story that goes with it. So perfect. Okay. All right. Well then if you don't have any questions, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of At the Table. It is Jackie King, and we are talking SBC and women and leadership. And I am so excited that you're joining us again for another week to join this conversation. Um, I want to ask a quick favor of you, and I want to give a shout out to Mary Kate. She went over to iTunes and rated us and even put a sweet little encouragement there. And I get all of these messages um, through Facebook and through Instagram of just how much you guys are enjoying hearing the stories of women in the SBC. And so it would be super helpful if y'all hopped on over to iTunes and did a review, if you shared it with other women that you know. I love celebrating the stories of women and what God is doing in and through us. And so make sure that you are sharing this on your socials. Make sure that you are reviewing it so that other people can find this. And um, I would just, I would really appreciate it. It would mean so much to me. Um, Today for our conversation, I am pretty pumped about this. I get to welcome my friend Katie Orr to the show. Katie, welcome. Hi. 
excited to be here. I am so glad you're here and really excited to dig into this conversation because we are going to be talking about women with the gift of teaching and what a teaching ministry looks like, what serving in that capacity looks like. And I know personally for me, this is something that I have been wrestling with since I was a teenager. And so I am hopeful that this is going to be encouraging to you and that we're going to tackle maybe some of the things that you guys have felt um, and just what it looks like to be a woman with the gift of teaching and um yeah, I mean, there's just a lot to tackle today. So Katie, I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for tackling this with me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like growing up, where are you from? How do you serve now? Just tell us kind of the get to know you questions. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Southern California in Christian school that I think had some Baptist roots, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, and, but Church in California is just totally different. But I didn't grow up going to church until I was in like high school. I did it socially with friends. Um, then I moved to Auburn, Alabama. I went to Auburn University and I got involved in Campus Crusade for Christ. And that's where my spiritual life really took off. Um, I am a bit, I, I like to say that I'm kind of a denominational mutt, I guess, because <laughs> I've just, I have been to non denominational churches. Methodist, Presbyterian. I mean, I've just been all over the place, and um, I'm I'm grateful for that. That I don't want to call it heritage, but that that uh, experience, I guess, of seeing how we all, uh, as the body of Christ, we all worship God uh, in a lot of the same ways and in in different ways as well. But mm. find myself married to a man with a Baptist background. Uh, grew up in the church. We married, met and married in Jacksonville, Florida, and then we were on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ for about six years. And then we left campus ministry, which I loved. Like, probably had I not got married, I just would have stayed on staff with Campus Crusade for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, who knows? But uh, obviously, God had a different plan, and Chris really felt led to become a Baptist pastor. So we left staff with Crusade to um, for Chris to start seminary in New Orleans um, mm -hmm. through the Orlando Extension Center. And he got his first pastorate. And so we've kind of bounced around. Uh, so I've been a Southern Baptist pastor's wife for 10 years now. Uh, we currently live in Florida. We have three kids and uh, they're 14, almost 12 and nine. And um, I'm a New Hope publisher author. I was trying to think of like the SBC connections here too. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an author with New Hope, which used to be under the umbrella of the WMU. And it was really just the perfect thing for me because I did not grow up in the SBC to really see how everything works, you know, yeah. and to really understand the different entities. Another big piece at, was I freelance worked for NAM, uh, specifically Kathy Litton, uh, for five years doing social media and helping with website back when the Flourish ministry was around. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that was huge too. So I got to go to a lot of SBC events and really am so grateful for being able to see kind of help, you know, kind of understanding how we work together and understanding the cooperative program and how it all goes together. Um, and another big SBC piece is that I am now in a seminary through the same Orlando Extension Center that my husband <laughs> got his master's. I'm getting like the cheapest, uh, quickest degree, <laughs> 30 hour discipleship degree, master's of discipleship, but, um, or master's uh, whatever of arts of discipleship. Um, and 
I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of work. It's hard in this stage of life, but yes. I feel like I'm immediately putting to practice what I'm learning. I know. It's so good. And so many similarities. All right. You've got lots of hats, um, shared hats. You're a pastor's wife, you're a seminary student, mm-hmm. um, and then now you're teaching and writing, and you've been doing that for a while now. So let's kind of unpack a little bit of what, how did this start? Like your call, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would call it, for teaching and this gift of teaching um, within the church, within the local body. What did that look like in the beginning? And then maybe what were some of the wrestles and kind of maybe um, tensions that you felt as a woman called to teach? Yeah. Well, I did not realize this probably until, I mean, sometime in the last five years, looking back on my life, it dawned on me just this pivotal, I don't want to say moment, but just this incredible uh, action (laughs) I don't even know what to call it, but basically here it is my freshman year at Auburn University. I am baby, baby Christian. Like I was saved in, I, I, I know the moment that I trusted Jesus for my sins. And that was as a middle schooler in my room. I vividly remember that moment of placing my trust in Jesus and wanting to spend eternity with him and, 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 you know, all that, just the gospel. I got the gospel for the first time, but I didn't know how to relate to him. I didn't understand the relationship piece until I got involved in Campus Crusade. So I am in this place of just exploding in my growth, still figuring it out, like very, very, very green. And my uh, the very first quarter that I was at Auburn, I, I think I had some Bible verses on my on my door. Mm-hmm. And the actually I know I did because this I guess this is why she came to me. I don't know. But six floor dormitory, hundreds and hundreds of girls most of them probably who grew up in church and knew a lot about the Bible, more about the Bible than I did. The head RA of that dorm knocked on my door and said, I can't lead a Bible study because of my job, but I want to see a Bible study happen in this dorm. Will you lead it? Huh. I, <laughs> I love mean, I that. Was, I was like, sure. I mean, I had <laughs> no idea what I was doing. I never led a Bible study before. I have only been to Bible study mm-hmm. a couple times, like attended one yeah and so it was like sure whatever nothing like getting thrown in the deep end right like and let's I did do this it, and there were like two people that showed up each week and one <laughs> of them was my my amazing sweet mate juliana i learned so much from that and i i, I didn't know any better to, than to be embarrassed like you know what i mean like i wasn't <laughs> because i just didn't i was just so naive but looking back on that moment, like that was God's call in my life. It wasn't just that moment, but that he has continued to give me opportunities like that, that have been unlikely and that I've not been ready for, uh, or at least haven't thought that I've been ready for, but I've grown from, um, I mean, just from that early age, you even mentioned when being in middle school and wrestling with this. And I think mm-hmm. that that with the things that God gives us, they come to us. It's not something we have to go out and reach for. I, in my experience, it's something that has come to me. Yeah, Um, I think that's good, yes. That doesn't Uh, mean I don't have a speaking tab on my website or it doesn't mean that, you know, like in this season of life, it's hard to speak and travel and all that. mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that one day when my kids are gone that I might not do, I mean, I might do a speaking thing where you sign up for a program, you know, like you get involved in a, an organization that helps you find speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. That's so I'm not saying that that's wrong, that that's reaching, but I have found that if it's something God wants you to do, it's going to come your way. Yeah. I love that. I've seen that again and again and again. Yeah, I've seen that in my own life too. And I think it's very 
important, um, especially whenever we're talking about ministry gifts that tend to have more of a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, there tend to be more seen and those kind of things. Um, I really think that there's a lot of work that happens, especially in the beginning. Like I can think back to whenever I kind of surrendered and just started leading my very first Bible study. I did the Beth Moore teen edition for some teen girls in our church in my parents' mm-hmm. living room. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and just the heresy that I think probably came out of that unknowingly, <laughs> you know, um, but it doesn't start on the stage. And that's what I love about right. even your story as well, that it starts just in God opening up a small door and you being faithful in that and him teaching you so much in those seasons, right? Like it's yeah. not something where um, it just, okay, I decided that I'm going to teach a lot of women and I'm going to put my name out there and try to get, you know, all of these different events and those kind of things. And so I think it's really important to know that there is a ton of work that the spirit does leading up to a stage and a microphone and those kind of things. So I love that that comes out in your story as well. Okay, so I want to preface this next question because, um, you know, there's been a lot of dialogue about complementarianism and egalitarian and um, what's allowed, what's not allowed, and we are not going to tackle that today. Um, but I Ooh. know, I know, <laughs> right? I know that we very much hold to a complementarian framework. Right. Um, but I do want to kind of address maybe some of the like frustrations or tensions that you felt as a woman kind of stepping into this, especially coming within a Southern Baptist context, like, and you're a pastor's wife and now writing for a lot of SBC entities, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So what are maybe some of the things that you felt as you fleshed out this gifting and as you've taken opportunities that have maybe been a little bit of a rub um, to, am I, am I doing this right? Am I, am I following in the way that I believe scripture allows those kind of things have, can you maybe speak to some of that? Yeah. Um, I personally haven't had any frustrations with people. Um, and because my husband is amazing and he's just constantly pushing me out the door with this and he is, you know, helping with kids and does his own laundry and cooks and, you know, all that (laughs) stuff, whatever. That's another conversation for, you know, what we're supposed to do. Um, but, uh, he he's amazing and and really pushes me out the door and I feel like that there have been some been in several um, SBC men that have really become cheerleaders for me and given me opportunities that are just like why me you know and so I have not but I know that's not every that's not the case for everyone that right. there are yeah. frustrations um, with that but my issues have been more internal mm-hmm. that I didn't even realize I had because again I didn't grow up. I didn't know what I was. I think if I had to cho- choose, I probably would have said complementarian. I wouldn't have used that word, but I would have said, oh yeah, you know, men are pastors, women are pastors. Because that was mostly when I did go to church, what I saw. Um, I didn't know anything about biblical, you know, what does the Bible say about it? Um, but, and, and I have several friends that are pastors, women friends that are pastors that are college friends or blogging friends that don't hold to the same uh, beliefs that I do now, and I and I do hold to those um, clearly now. But what I found is internally, and I didn't realize this until I found myself speaking. It was at a WMU event in in Alabama. There's 400 women there. It's like a statewide event, and I'm the keynote speaker, and I'm up there. I mean, it's like, what more do you need to be? confident that you're supposed to be there, that somebody has invited you, (laughs) they're paying you to do this, Mm -hmm. and people have showed up. 
And I get up there and I just have this freak out moment because all I can see are the six men sitting on the back row Hmm. and just kind of going, am I doing something wrong? Like, oh no, what am I going to do? There's men in the room. Like, I mean, it was like a nanosecond and I had to just get rid, you know, just ask the Lord, just spirit, just to help me here. And I, I really think it was the evil one whispering lies because he wants to stop us from doing what we're called to do, especially mm-hmm. if it involves God's word and God's people. And so I, it was such a surprise to me, but then God was so gracious. One, you know, none of the men came up to me and said, you shouldn't have done that. You know, I, I was so, you know, you say these things, it's like, this is so ridiculous. Did you really think that, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think it's just this, I somewhere in my mind, I think planet planted by the evil one was that, you know, you're not allowed to do this, this, or this. We put restrictions on things that it was just is silliness. And I had to back up though. And I had to go, okay, what do I believe? Um, what, what is acceptable? What isn't? And I'm constantly talking to my husband, Chris, about this. Yeah. And um, seeking the scriptures for myself. And I still have a lot of studying to do. There's a lot of lines that I'm not sure exactly where I land on. Mm-hmm. And there's gray. There's gray here. It's There's a reason why we're all struggling with this because it's not as black and white. These, these lines, like where it's not from the pulpit preaching, um, you know, Sunday morning, day after day after day. It's, 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 we can't figure it out, right? Yeah, None of us, yeah. no, there's nobody can, can figure it out. So I don't know. I love that you're allowing grace in that conversation. And I think especially as, you know, social media and everything has kind of blown up over the last year. Um, I think it's really important for us to be gracious with one another. I mean, this is everything, right? This isn't just women and teaching. Um, but I think... It- I found myself getting incredibly discouraged, um, reading through so much of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think there's a lot of grace that needs to happen within this conversation and allowing one another to really wrestle through the scriptures and kind of see where they land and then encourage each other to continue to be in the scriptures and have Mm -hmm. that dialogue. And I love that you mentioned that you chat with your husband about it with Chris, um, because I know this is like, I know Josh has to be tired of me talking about it, (laughs) you know, but I think at least for me internally, there's this tension of like, how much am I allowing of the flesh? Like how much am I pushing because I want something that is not holy? good and how much of this is something that you know like I've I've almost limited myself because of those insecurities and those fears and so I think it's really important for us as women to have a lot of consistent dialogue not only with our husbands and our brothers in Christ but also other women um, that we're able to really kind of like wrestle it out together to where we're able to really kind of squash some of those maybe like arrogant or prideful platform seeking ideas but then also we're just kind of limiting ourselves because of our fear like we're not stepping out in obedience because we're so scared of doing something wrong I don't know that's kind of a tension that I've held how about you yeah absolutely that's exactly it just feeling like I don't want to do something wrong but I also don't want to not be doing something right yeah I love it and so and and God has always been in my wrestles and this is true with should I be doing this with men in the room or should I be doing this at all? Like, should Mm -hmm. I be speaking at all? Should I be traveling at all right now in this stage of life where my, you know, it's like, I'm not going to give this time back for my kids. And so I don't want to be disobedient and not be home, but I also don't want to be disobedient and not be out if that's where I'm supposed to be. And it Mm -hmm. is not 
a formula. It's not spelled out in scripture. It is something that my husband and I, we constantly have to talk about, pray about, and figure it out. But here is what has been true through it all, is that God has always been super clear and gracious in his perfect timing to give me what I needed to keep going or to stop, if that makes sense. Mm, you know, like yeah. comments. So back to another WMU event, I was in Kentucky WMU event, similar thing, I don't know, five or 600 people. There were actually a lot of pastors there at this one. And I was in a different place though. I was like, you know what? They're here. They knew I was speaking. So whatever, you know? <laughs> and I had a friend there who's there with her husband and she came up to me afterwards. She said, man, that was so good. Thank you for teaching. You just have a gift. I'm so grateful for you. You know, just being appreciative, which I especially love right after speaking because the evil one likes mm -hmm. to attack and say, yeah. you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. And so it's a balance of not, you don't want to get praised to be like, oh, I'm the best thing ever. But it so helps to realize mm -hmm. that this is worth it, that this travel and this, it's its so draining. It's so yeah. draining. I mean, so many people want to go, oh, wow, that is so awesome. You get to travel and all that. But it is hard work. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so she said, my husband said, man, I'd listen to her preach any day. Now, I'm not going to say, I mean, I don't necessarily want to put that on myself. I'm not saying what I'm doing is, is preaching. Yes, I preach the gospel, but I don't know what he meant by using the word yeah, preach. But right. hearing him say that was actually very affirming to me that there was mm -hmm. a man there who learned from the word because of me. And he yeah. knew that I was going to be there. Anyway, you know, like, I, 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 again, I know we said we're not going to get too much into that. And I'm still trying to figure out what I believe. But yeah. God has been gracious to say, keep going. Yes. Keep going. Yes. Oh, man, so many. Yes. So much of what you're saying are things that I have felt and experienced as well. And so I love, love this conversation. Okay. Let's kind of get off the mail topic. Um, and <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, so I was doing a speaking event um, a couple weeks ago, and this happens a lot, um, kind of like you're talking about where people will come up. And um, I had a lady come up um, in the sweetest, most, I think, um, sincere way that was just like, I want to do what you do. Like, I have, I have things to say to women. Like, that's exactly what she said. And, you know, there's kind of this like cringe on the inside of like, oh, okay. Um, what, what do you want to say? You know? And I think because of the lack of, um, really concentrating on women that have the gift of teaching and development of women that have the gift of teaching, um, we're really I think coming out of, I will say, I do think things are changing a bit, but to where we almost kind of quickly elevated women to give them a platform and a microphone, but without a lot of the training and development on what it looks like to develop a sermon, what it looks like yeah. to um, have good biblical um, teaching versus mm -hmm. just getting up and kind of having what most would say like motivational speaking or um, just what they think the text says, you know, like it was not very grounded biblically. So I really want to kind of get to some practical pointers of like, how do you start well? So again, because I think this woman in her sweet desire, you know, was like, I, I love what God is doing, you know, and, and I'm intrigued by this. So how would you maybe start the conversation with somebody that says, I have this gift. Um, it's been affirmed in the church and, you know, through relationships and people. And so it's not just something that I'm creating, you know, or desiring. It's something that I see that God has given and that other people are affirming. What would you say are some of those first steps to really developing as a teacher and as a um, as a Bible teacher speaker that is a woman? Yeah, um, I think it's it absolutely starts with learning how to study the Bible and walking with God on your own. Mm. Um, and obviously, we can see now. I was walking with God 
as a 19 year old, 18 year old, uh, just beginning, uh, I was very rough around the edges and I certainly did not know how to study the Bible, but I was in the process of it. I was like in the baby stages. So I'm not saying that God can't use you until you learn how to study your Bible. But if you're thinking you want to get in front of people on -hmm. a platform and teach the word, you better know how to study the word. And it is heavy. It is a heavy responsibility to teach the word, even one-on-one. Um, gratefully, we have the Spirit of God within us, and I fully believe He changes words that come out of my mouth sometimes. Um, <laughs> because I'm, and we're none of us is perfect, but it has to start with learning how to study the Bible. And if you don't feel like you know how to study the Bible, open to any page, and you may not understand it right away, but you know where to go and how to, like, the steps to take mm-hmm. to understand it correctly, then I feel like we have no business being especially putting ourselves out there as a Bible teacher. Yeah. That's that's, that's kind of a strong statement, but I just I, I just think we need to uh I think we need to start there. Now, yeah, I'll just stop with that. So, uh <laughs> I also as far as wa- sharpening your skills, like watch watch your watch your like for me it's watching my husband. I've been watching him preach for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And my style very much matches his style because I learned so much from him. Um and so I think looking at the people that you learn a lot from too, not those that are entertaining you, but the ones that you're learning from mm-hmm. and, and mimic that. Um, I was, um, there's a book that I've read. It's called Preaching Bold Assurance by Herschel York. Um, that was helpful. Um, so, but you've got to figure out your own system. And so read books, read, there's, there's no, there's a plethora of things out there that actually t- teach you how to, teach the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some seminaries also have classes that you can, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, audit. audit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be something. I mean, that'd be a much bigger commitment than reading a book, but man, you're going to learn a lot from that. Um, but I've just kind of figured out my own system over time. Because the more you do it, the more you realize kind of what works for you and what your style is. That's good. Okay. Um, and there's something even that you said that um, reminds me, like, even when people are kind of messaging, you know, and trying to like figure out like, hey, we'd love for you to come speak and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think there's a um, define- defining line that you kind of mentioned of like being a Bible teacher. Um, and again, I think this is kind of something that's really shifting because you have a lot of speakers, but then there's also a difference in like Bible teaching. Yes. Um, and so like a lot of times I'm like, okay, I, I'm a Bible teacher. I don't really do a lot of motivation. Like, I hope to be encouraging. I hope that the Word of God, you know, <laughs> yeah. will will bring joy and change and all of those things. But um, I think even just making a distinction kind of like in your own verbiage of what you said, of it, there is a weight and there is a responsibility that comes with standing up and saying, this is what the Word of God says, yes. right? Um, and so it's not something that you enter into lightly and very much just a lot of prayer and respect that I think goes in to that decision and that um, opportunity, I think, to be able to speak into women's lives and say, this is what God is saying to you. Um, So I love that that kind of, you started with that distinction, and I want to make sure that that is kind of echoed. But I'm glad you made that that point, though, because I very much was thinking Bible teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, I still think we need to walk with God and know how to study the Bible if we're going to be teaching, if we're going to even telling our, our personal stories. And that's a great point that there are some that speak often because they're sharing their story. They're sharing mm-hmm. what God has done. But even when we share what God has done, or like this lady who says, I have something to say to these people, really the story and what we have to say mean nothing 
when yes. it comes to life change, it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so even if we have this amazing testimony of what God has done in our life, I think we, we ought to learn how to wrap it up with the gospel. Wrap it up, depending on your audience, you know, yeah. but wrap it. I mean, it's the gospel either way, whether we're saved or not, we still need the gospel. So we need to be able to point people to Jesus, not point people to us and yes. not go, I have this word to tell somebody, but to ask God, what is your word for these people? Because mm-hmm. it's not about what we want to say. It's about what God is going to say through us. Yes. Well, and so much of like when I'm preparing to speak, it, it's a matter of exactly what you're talking about to where it is God sanctifying and ripping apart your soul first. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to <laughs> like unpack, you know, like, okay, so this is how God kicked me in the face, you know, in prepping <laughs> for this. Um, and I say that, you know, like, because honestly, like he wants us to wrestle with scripture. He wants us to get um, good fruit and, and meat out of it. And then as teachers, the beauty is that we get to pass that along and say, look at all of the beauty of what depth and goodness comes from the word of God. Um, um, and so I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like there's just, there's so much to the process that I think happens internally first with just yes. you and the Lord and, and, and an open Bible and a pen versus what it looks like whenever you stand up and have a three point sermon. Right. Yeah. Um, Laura Williams, she's a SBC. She's, she grew up in the SBC and she's a church member now. And she also speaks and she, I don't know if she came out with this or heard this on my but it's like, you got to live the message before you can teach the message. Mm, yeah. That this has got to be something that we've processed on our own and seen God's faithfulness on our own, seen true to be, or else there's really no authority in it. I mean, yes, there's authority in scripture, but the actual words coming out of our mouth, we're like, yeah, the Bible says that God is faithful, but I don't really know if I believe it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. compelling, you know? Right. So we have to be able to, to, we're up there for a reason because we can say what needs to be said in a unique way. Nothing that we say is going to be new. Nothing mm-hmm. that we teach is new. Yeah. But God has gifted us to be specific. And, and I had to go through this even just recently. I mean, I followed up Liz Curtis Higgs <laughs> a couple weeks ago. You know, I mean, I was the MC for the conference. She was the main speaker. And then the last day she was gone and we, I was on a steering committee. And anyway, they gave me the opportunity to speak. And so they just heard Liz Curtis Higgs for three days, laughed, laughed, you know, till they cried. And just, she's just, she's, just Liz Curtis Higgs, you know, like she has so much experience. And then here I come and I am not warm and fuzzy and I am not funny, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I had to really just listen, uh, quit listening to those lies that man, people aren't going to be like so bored with you after, (laughs) after Mm, Liz and just come on the authority of scripture and the authority that God has given me this opportunity. And that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. And I think you're even speaking to a lot of just the insecurities that come with teaching, you know, like, I love the humility that comes with like constantly having to tell Jesus, like, okay, God, you're gonna have to do something here, you know, because like, and I think that's an important thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, it just it can create to where they're more platform type personalities. And so you can aspire to be Jen Wilkin, you know, or Beth Moore. I mean, I don't know how many times I heard that in Bible school, like, Ugh, oh, you're, yeah. you're training to be the next Beth Moore. Oh, Actually, no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm studying the Bible. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think there, there is that truth though, that there's a bent to try to be like them, yes, right. Um, yes. To be uh, used in the way that God uses them. And so there is so much faithfulness in a woman opening up the word 
in her living room with a group of women and say, let's dig into this together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, there's a lot more work more than likely happening in that room than there is in a conference with, you know, not a lot of active listening and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's so important that we remind ourselves that those insecurities, those lies, um, are things that should push us into the Lord and make us dependent on God. I need you to show up because yeah. I got nothing. Right. And back um, to your question about sharpening or like, where do we start? Like mm-hmm. learn how to study the Bible. But then the next thing I would say is serve where you are. Yeah. Serve where you are. Yeah. There was a lady who I met through a common person and to a non-denominational church. And, uh, she was like, heard that I was an author and she was like, uh, asked me all these questions like, Oh, okay. And I don't mind that. That's fun for me to kind of brainstorm and strategize. I love all that. But as I got through this conversation with her, I realized that she had this message that she, she just really feels would be really good for millennials. And she's at this huge church where they have very little reign over who teaches. So she easily could just say, I'm going to lead a group geared towards millennials. And she hadn't even thought of doing that because she was so focused on getting the book published. It's like, mm-hmm. why would why would you think that millennials that you don't even know and you don't even have millennial friends, why do you think they're going to listen to you when you're not even serving the millennials right in your doorstep? Mm, like right good. in front of you. And so, yeah. and I, I've been guilty of that I'm not trying to condemn her, but it was just like this eye opening. Like it was so clear to me. It's like, you're trying to skip over the servant, mm-hmm. the service of you, you. There's probably thousands of millennials here in this church that yes, need to hear your, what God's put on your heart about uh, work and women. I mean, that's what it was, you know, just not being, not worrying about the career so much or, you know, just her, just that there is good in God's plan. That's her message. It's a good message. Yeah. But do it with two or three first mm-hmm. before you want to do it to two or 3,000. Yeah, that's so good. And I think it brings up the importance of the local church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, like that, that is where Jesus is. That's where he is working um, within those communities. And that's specifically where he has each of us because we know that context. We know those people. We know um, life and what it is in that local community. And so who better to open up the word and be able to relate to those people? And I mean, it's great. And just like you said, you know, the traveling is exhausting and it's fun, you know, to be able to go and meet women all across the country. But like, if I'm not doing it here with the people yeah. that I'm living life with yes, that my kids yes. go to school with and their moms, um, then I'm really missing the giant mission field that God has right in front of me. So I love that you're charging us with that. And I think that is so true. Um, and I wanted to add, um, especially for those of you that are maybe looking at ways that you're able to kind of hone in on how do I study the Bible? How do I develop my teaching? Um, there's a program called Simeon Trust that I've actually walked um, some women through in my church that teaches you how to study. It goes through context and line and just all of the like technical things that kind of go with and hermeneutic um, and then it helps you a little bit at the end with um, your homiletic and everything and so I really want to encourage y'all to maybe check that out it's called first principles for women um, and great teachers in there it's not necessarily an SBC thing but definitely something that I use often so um, okay we are running out of time and so I want to kind of throw out just this question of what are some of the like main leadership nuggets? I mean, like we said, you you have a lot of hats. You're a student, you're a pastor's wife, you're a writer, you're a teacher. So just in your walk with Jesus, what are some of those kind of main leadership lessons that you've really had to hold on to, or maybe even just some of the insecurities that you're having to face and how you would encourage our listeners moving forward? 
Yeah, I think this is, though it certainly for me has to do with speaking and traveling and, you know, and, and, and writing. I mean, all of those things are big endeavors and they, they affect my family. They affect me and my ability to do other things. And so, but I think that these also work for anything that we're called to because we're all called to serve the Lord in, in some way, shape, or form. And the first kind of goes back to, you know, my feeling, you know, stepping up right after Liz Curtis Higgs. <laughs> mm. And that wasn't the first time that I felt like, man, I was wish I was more like so-and-so, but we just, we need to stay in our lane. Mm. We need to figure what that is. Some, it takes a while. It takes a while. Uh, I'm 41 now, and I just feel like I know just now, this is what God's called me to do, you know, <laughs> at least for right now. It might change yeah. 10 years from now. Um, but especially once we figure out that this is what God has called me to do. We need to stay in our lane. And I think that helps us not only quit looking at what other people are doing, not that we can't learn some things from them and go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I could be a little more engaging here. Or I could, you know, oh, I love the way they do this, you know. Um, But to be who God has made us to be and not try to be someone we're not. I see this a lot with writing. Oh, my goodness. So many people trying to be another Ann Voskamp. And it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so we have to find our own voice, whether that be writing or speaking or however we serve in in the church. We need to figure out what has God called us uniquely to do and, and do it. And then also to do this serving the Lord. So that mm-hmm. that Sunday morning, and it was a Sunday morning, and it was really close to church. So it was great. I got to teach on Sunday morning and then go, st- you know, at the women's conference and then go straight to church. So I didn't have to miss, which was awesome. And... I had to tell myself that it does not matter if they're falling asleep and don't want to listen to me because ultimately I'm accountable to the Lord Mm. and I have been given this opportunity and I do the best that I can do. And if they fall on deaf ears, that's not on me. Yeah. You know, and I don't think they did, but if that's worst case scenario, I, I need to serve the Lord period. Um, and so that, those are two things that I feel like I, I've had to continually learn, and I probably will continually have to learn it, that we've all been called to different things. And um, there is so, there's so, there's, there's room for all of us to do yes. what God has called us to do. And yeah. we are so unique, and God has got something very specific for each of us. Yes, I love that. And I love even just the kindredness of what you're saying. Like you're in Florida, you know, I'm in Arkansas. And there's, I think, so much just even in this conversation of like, yes, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, like. And so I think if we can really celebrate the lanes and the opportunities that God is opening up for our sisters, like it just makes us stronger. And Mm -hmm. the things that I can learn from you and the um, advice and the wisdom and also just the camaraderie of being another woman teacher, you know, and wrestling through some of those insecurities and knowing like, I'm not alone, like I'm not the crazy girl, you know? Um, And so I love just to close out this, this session just with the like, stay in your lane and celebrate other people and what God is doing in that, because that is ultimately for the kingdom of God. And usually like when discontentment and envy and some of those things really start kind of like surfacing up whenever I start looking at other people's lanes, like that is a lack of me looking at the kingdom of God and more looking at my own kingdom. And so I think that's a great challenge for us just to see what God is doing, like learn from one another, cheer one another on, and just be grateful that the kingdom of God is advancing and we're all on the same team, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I love it. When we do that, we can 
respond to God's leading instead of reaching for something that wasn't ours. Mm, yeah. Right? We can mm. respond to the opportunities he brings our way instead of trying to be like someone else or trying to do what they're doing because mm-hmm. that's tiring. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would agree with that. Well, Katie, I cannot believe we're already out of time and there's so much more that we could chat about, but let's real quickly, um, because you have so many resources and I know you love connecting with other women. So can you tell us real quick, how can people find you and how can they connect with you? Yeah, I have a website. It's katieor.me. So K-A-T-I-E-O-R-R dot me and you can pretty much get everything from there i have a shop i do a lot of digital products geared towards helping women learn how to study the bible on their own um and uh, some bible conferences that i do once a year and some books and stuff like that but you can kind of that's the hub katie or me and then on social media i'm the katie or because katie or was taken <laughs> yeah <laughs> so now not you because the. i'm trying to say like i am the one <laughs> I love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your story and encouraging other female teachers, women in the SBC. And again, ladies, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will pass this on to other women in your church and communities and in the SBC. And I hope that you will join me next week for another episode of At the Table. Y'all have a great week. Bye. All right. Very good.